0: Welcome to Living a Legacy, and I'm excited to welcome to the program, Eric Couch. Eric, how are you? New, new digs, new place now, right?
1: New digs. We're in the new spot, Neil. Yes. This is great.
0: Yeah, yeah. We had uh, George. We, we had two really unbelievable ones with George Lopez and a couple, and then you went your way, I went my way. And uh, it's interesting enough, the excitement that's coming up in our guest today. But again, you just feel great to be in new digs and through that transition period, right?
1: absolutely man we got we got some uh, sketchy weather today but we're 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 loving it and uh you know we need some rain talking about you know changing weather and and uh, opportunities and 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 great stories today's guest is one of my absolute favorites I've got so many memories um you 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 probably watch the movie if you're any if you're a friend of connected to me at all you probably love the movie eddie and the cruisers and today we have eddie from eddie and the cruisers he's been in a bunch of other movies uh michael pare and michael welcome to the show
2: thanks eric good to be here i love dallas i've been there quite a few times i worked uh, i worked shot maybe three movies there
0: all right and so michael also i i uh I'm in pittsburgh so we had snow the last couple of days not oh, how nice slurries. isn't that unbelievable <laughs> in this time of april come on now yeah. but, but we, it's, it's
2: april showers i thought not I, I, know, exactly. I know exactly i know it's been
1: cold yeah. here yeah. no snow but cold now michael you 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 ditched uh, brooklyn and moved to la um how many years have you been in la now i guess since Oof. well you know i was day going day?
2: back and forth between new york and la for like the first five or seven years of my career and then uh, I moved to Europe for 10 years, and I've been back in California now for uh, about 12, 13 years.
1: Awesome. Well, yeah. I got to tell you, when Neil mentioned that we were going to interview you, I got so stoked, and I, I sent a text. I got, I got two brothers and a sister, and I know you got, what, six brothers or six sisters and three brothers?
2: Six, six sisters and three brothers, 10 children, yeah.
1: Yeah, so a little bigger family than mine. Although Neil's, Neil's trying to catch up with yeah, you. Yeah, I have, I have six kids, Michael. So. Lucky yeah.
2: you, man. Wow, that must be the
1: ball. So, so yeah, I, I, my family's a little smaller. In fact, I'm an only child, but I've got, my, my mom was married before and two older brothers and a sister. And I remember as a kid uh, dating myself, right? You know, the Eddie and the Cruisers came out at what, 1983, I believe, 83, 84-ish. Yeah, around um, there. So, so I was, I was eight years old, I guess when it came out and, um, we went on a we went on a family crew or a family trip to Colorado for the summer. And my brother Morgan had got the, the cassette tape to Eddie and the cruisers <laughs> and we wore that thing out. I mean, wore it out. <laughs> uh, and it was funny. So I texted, I texted my siblings earlier this week, uh, couple of days, three four days ago and i'm telling them about the interview and i just mentioned it and i mean there's on the dark side quotes are coming out and all the songs
2: <laughs> the movie
1: we're ripping my older brother because he wants out of the text message so we're you know we're we're uh, you know calling him out but using quotes from the movie and the songs and just it was hilarious it was just this huge <laughs> flashback they're the ones who brought up the trip um but, yeah, it's, you know, there's so many great memories in my family with my siblings because of your movie. So, well, you
2: know, the guy who wrote those great songs for uh, Streets of Fire, Jim Steinman, just died. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. He wrote those great songs that Diane Lane sang. Ooh. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Music's been a big part of my career. But, yeah. um, you know, and we did Eddie, Two And, you know, uh, who knows? There might be an Eddie three in the near future. And uh, we possible. We're, anything's possible but we're here to talk about a painkiller today right
0: absolutely yeah yeah, we're we're gonna talk we're talking we'll talk talk about a little bit michael this of just a couple questions and we'll get right to the movie as well so sure absolutely what Uh, you like guys yeah Yeah. yeah, Yeah. i appreciate that now so so i wanted to tell the reason why eric's so excited also he's a singer himself a professional singer meaning uh a professional he he went went to college (laughs) he went went to college for singing and he's right What would you major in
1: eric uh vocal performance so Singing. Wow. Uh, but oh, I wow. got a degree in education because the degree was free, and that was the one thing I could do anything with. So, right. And now right. I perform and educate every day, doing this stuff. Wow. Just not singing as much. Oh, you don't
2: sing so much. Uh huh.
1: You know, I sing some, but right. especially during COVID. You know, I sing. I, I, you know, I've had the the privilege for, although it's pulled back in the last two or three years, but we've got a 17 year old son and a daughter that will be 16 in a month and every day of their life, at least through the time they were probably 12 years old. We sing them to bed every night. Um, cool so that's where that? I've used it the most.
2: Well, wow. you don't mm. go out karaoke, uh, karaoke attack,
1: huh? You know, I'm not a karaoke guy. I, I wish I were, you know, uh, I, all those years singing chorally with groups and stuff like that, music where they're smacking your hands with the ruler. You right. know, <laughs> I'm, it, it's funny. I start singing and I get really boring. Uh, but then if uh, I'm not singing I'll be the you know I'll be the interpretive dance right I'm the one making a fool and having a blast um, <laughs> but uh, you know I've got to unless I'm on stage right if I'm doing like musical theater or something like that putting it together and and, mm. and so it's funny it's just that change because as a, as a vocal performance as music you know they teach you in that thing to be stoic and still and Really boring, so I have to, you know, I've had to work to. So, break oh, so when
2: you say you've been singing, choral, is that like faith-based stuff? Is that like in church and choir and that kind of stuff?
1: Well, absolutely that. So, choral just being group singing. So, a choral, ah, okay, okay. a group, mm-hmm. and, and you know, school, college, uh, you know, when they beat it into you as, as if that's your major, right? They, every day, and it's very structured of how to do it. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, absolutely. My the predominantly my singing over the years was has been faith-based in churches and that's what I did all the way through college was wow. I was on that staff at churches great.
2: that must be great wonderful. but let me ask you something since yeah. you studied voice production if you have sinus problems like you know you have like allergies and stuff like that does that affect your uh, your tone like being able to sing on key
1: not really um it it absolutely can affect you uh but if you if you you know chew on some lemons or do something like that. It's, it's amazing. I've had times where I was completely hoarse and I couldn't speak. And I was like, how am I going to sing? And then you get up there and it just comes out perfectly. Like there wasn't an issue, but being unable to speak for a day. um, But you just, you know, when you're, when you're singing correctly and you're trained correctly um, you know, you use different muscles than when you're just speaking even though it's coming out of the same place. No, but I mean, because it's, it's you're, wild.
2: Like if your your nose and throat are all connected. So if you're yeah. having like a sinus attack, is would that impact your hearing? So you would, you could sing off key.
1: I don't know about off. I haven't had that issue. Um, now, what, what I have done never is I, I, I wake up like, like very white.
2: Right. Yeah, I know a lot of singers do that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, can't, I really can't sing until, uh, you know, I've had my coffee. Like, I can't Which sing is until awesome. after 12.
1: Yeah. I'm like, I got a I got a voice.
2: Um, <laughs>
1: but yeah, it, it, it now what if you do get, uh, I think it's tinnitus or whatever, or vertigo, right, where it starts to, you know, the congestion yeah, well, and can't... stuff like that starting, that absolutely can impact any of it. Uh-huh. Um, and because, or if you've got a really bad congestion in one ear, if you just can't hear well. Um, but it's, you know, it's amazing. There's, there's people that are deaf in one ear that are, have perfect pitch. So, uh, uh-huh. uh-huh. you know, it's, okay. it's God's just made us amazing creatures where we, we tend to be able to pull off things even when it doesn't seem like we should be able to. Yeah. That's
2: what I, that's what I was thinking to me. Logically, if you have a sinus infection or you have allergies, your hearing is different. You know, yeah. you, so so would your voice production be different? But I guess not.
1: Not necessarily. I mean, it could be, um, you know. But but what could happen is if if you if you have it for a while, especially if it's due to something like like a smoking or a long term thing where you're adjusting too much, then yeah. you can eventually just tear up your voice. You know, get a thing mm-hmm. called nodes or something like that. Right.
0: Uh, so you know, so Eric, I cannot wait to hearing what's next on this story so far but it's great going back and forth and, <laughs> and see i'm as the person in a way not saying okay what's happening because i'm interested and honestly you want to hear this michael never saw eddie and the cruisers never i've not seen the movie so i have to i don't know where you get it i think you can
2: send away for the dvd if you really want to yeah, or maybe exactly. youtube you can see the, a lot of the songs on YouTube if you just type in, like, Dark Side. Yeah, I know the songs, yeah. but never oh, yeah. saw the okay.
0: movie. Never saw the movie. No.
1: Well, it, and it's as far as I know, right? And, and Michael, you've actually been in, in a bunch of stuff. I'll, I'll take a step back. So, typically, what we do, our format is we, we review uh, a chunk of the past stuff that people know you for, and then we spend a chunk of time on what you're working on right now as well because we, we want to hear that and all your fans want to hear that. Um uh, but there's so much stuff like I love the fact that I didn't know this until I did a little research. Your, your very first intro, at least as far as I read, was in probably my all time favorite sitcom, which was Greatest American Hero. Right. Um, that was my first job. Greatest American yeah. Hero.
2: That's what brought me out to
1: California, actually. I was stoked. I love that. I, that's been my ringtone on my phone before. Really? Um, <laughs> uh, but it was, believe it or not, we are not home uh, so leave a message at the tone rather than believe it or not, right. the, the greatest American hero songs. just yeah. love that show. so there's so many. but you know you you've made a huge impact in my life. Uh, and, and of course that that movie, um, which we're looking forward to your new one. but that movie is the only one that I've ever known that you know it came out as a movie, but then then the music from the movie went off and actually took on its own, its own identity, right? It was, it was a blockbuster top. It was a number one song on the charts. I got,
2: Um, I got, I got double platinum albums hanging on my wall.
1: Yeah. I mean, has, maybe, you know, has another movie ever done that where it literally.
2: Not that I was in.
1: (laughs) I mean, there's, there's, there's musicians that do movies, right? Uh, And there could be a soundtrack that's really good, but literally this is a movie that came out and it's about a band that really doesn't exist. And yet outside of the movie, the band took off and was it has been its own standalone thing, just as Eddie and the cruisers, like the music from that movie was so powerful that it just did its own thing. And I've never yeah. heard of another movie that, that did that. I've, I've heard of songs that became movies. I've heard of, musicians that went into movies but i've never heard of like a a role in a movie that the music and the message was so powerful that it literally became its own standalone music um that that breaks the charts and does all that that just because it's you know i mean people are like hey where do i see eddie and the cruisers in concert because you hear it you hear it on the radio and you're like that's awesome um (laughs) so yeah it's
2: kind of unique
1: it is it is. Uh, and you've done all kinds of things. Hope floats and uh, the, what's it? The Virgin suicides with, with Coppola and was, um, yeah,
2: Sophia Coppola. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, and
2: uh, you know, I did, I worked with Matthew McConaughey, Sandra Bullock, wow. Brian Cranston, Johnny Depp, uh, Bruce, Will, Bruce Stern, Rod Steiger, yeah. Roy Scheider, uh, Malcolm McDowell. Um, I, I've, I've been doing it a long time, man. I'm, I'm really blessed. I got to say, you know, I've got a career that spans 40 years. I mean, what can yeah. I say about that? And I'm still working. I'm gonna I'm gonna be directing next month. Wow, I'm directing a, a, a zombie movie. A,
1: a kid A kid from a kid from up in Brooklyn, right? Yeah, Bay Ridge, Brooklyn. Who who? And now this is the wildest story. You were you were you were not a cook, so people think, yeah. oh, he was a cook. No, he was a chef that went to the Culinary Institute and yeah, working exactly. At, tavern on the green so you weren't you weren't you're not just kind of educated in in being a chef like you're like legit
2: yeah yeah I mean uh what can I say but I was all it all happened very young I went right from high school into the culinary institute yeah. and uh I was working in Manhattan and my girlfriend was a waitress in a bar down the street and the chefs get off early so I'd be out of there and walking down Columbus Avenue around 10 30 And I'd Mm -hmm. wait for her to get off at work. And there was an agent there named Yvette Bickoff, who she lived in the neighborhood because this is the Upper West Side. It was uh, it was kind of a show business bar because it was right across the street from ABC where they do the news. Guys like Bill Butel and Roger Grimsby would hang out there and all the gripped and electric from Madison Square Garden. So, I mean, this is like a New York neighborhood. And Yvette lived in the neighborhood and she was kind of a regular and she started uh, chatting me up and. She suggested that I try studying acting, and uh, I said, I, I can't. I'm a full-time chef. I work six days a week. And she said, well, you can just go to a few classes during the day and see if you like it, and I went, and I liked it, and two years later, I was in Hollywood doing Greatest American Hero.
0: See, that's unbelievable. Wild. And, and did you always want to be an actor, or that was not-
2: No, no, no. I was
0: going to. You know, I had a job
2: lined up in Marseille with one of the French chefs I was working with. His brother had a restaurant in Marseille and I was on my way to Marseille Yeah, when I met Yvette. And uh, I just went to a couple of classes because, you know, it was all the waiters in New York are actors or or, uh, actresses. (laughs) And, uh, you know, they wouldn't date a chef. But if you go to acting class, now you're an actor, and the pretty <laughs> girls will date you. So that was really big attraction. Anita was a great gal, but, you know, I was at 19. I wasn't going to be too serious, so I was still out yeah. there running around. But, you know, that's that was really the hook that as a chef or a cook, you know, at 19 years old, you're not going to get really super hotties. But as <laughs> an actor, you
0: will. And a musician. Which you didn't yeah. plan on that thing, right? No, I no, I wasn't. I'm not a musician. Yeah, exactly. I said you didn't <laughs> plan on that being in a movie that was a, about music. You know, you never yeah. planned that.
2: Not at all. Right. No. I, I, actually, we had been shooting Greatest American Hero in the Caribbean the start of the second season. And you fly through New York, L.A., New York, New York, down to St. Croix. Mm-hmm. And me and my best friend was also on the show we got off the plane in new york because we didn't have to work for the next few days just to visit my bro because you know we so we crashed on the lower east side and while i was there my agent said since you're in new york where you're not supposed to be why don't you go meet marty davidson and i did and uh that was the beginning you know i read the script and i you know i went up and met him and then it was a series of meetings and then auditions and then workshop and then uh they closed my deal and off i was to uh cherry hill new jersey to shoot eddie and here's a funny story so me and anita lived up on 101st street and her best friend this guy jimmy grubel was a grip in the movie business like a lot of commercials and we used to hang around me and jimmy because you know our girlfriends were both like pals i'm walking in the lobby of the rickshaw in cherry hill new jersey and there's jimmy grubel walking through the lobby. He says, Mike, what are you doing here? I said, I'm working. He says, how's the food? I said, I don't know. I just got here. (laughs) He says, what are you talking about? You said you're working here. And I said, I'm making a movie. He said, what movie? Eddie and the cruisers. He says, I'm on Eddie and the cruisers. I said, I'm Eddie. (laughs) So (laughs) he he knew me as a cook in the neighborhood up in the Upper West Side. And here he he hasn't seen me in years. And it's like, how's the food at the rickshaw? (laughs) (laughs) So it's one of those funny stories about it. Yeah.
1: I'm Eddie. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. That is awesome. Now you've got a new movie coming out. Um, and it sounds, yeah. it sounds really intriguing. I know, Neil, you've got a handful of questions about it, but, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, tell us a little about it. Well,
2: you know, it's about the opioid epidemic in the United yeah. States and it's a really important subject and it's ignored. And, you know, it can easily be described, you know, as part of the conspiracy theory. But, um, you know, here's this is what I've been telling people. I have this toenail fungus on my left big toe. Right. And to get a prescription for that, I have to get a blood test every month to get the prescription refilled, Mm -hmm. Right. And that's for toenail fungus. Big blood test when the blood comes back yeah. and they see it didn't affect anything. Okay, we'll write you another prescription. But to get oxycodone, they, you have a pain in your back here, and they'll write it out, and they'll give you a renewal. And people are dying from this. Right, You don't yep, die from exactly. toenail fungus. Yep. So people are dropping dead. It's a very serious issue. And the, the irony is the same company that produces the oxycodone has also gotten a contract to all the law enforcement, uh, police departments across the United States for the Narcon. So they create the epidemic and then they also create the cure.
0: Does that sound yeah. like a coincidence what we're talking about now? Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that COVID? There's yeah, corruption, yeah. There the vaccine and all. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: It really worries me. And, uh, you know, look, I'm, a look, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to promote anything except that I believe in God and I pray and meditate and I pray for America because I think it's our only chance because I've lost a lot of faith in the people that are running the country and uh, it worries me. And I don't want to promote, you know, this conspiracy stuff, but come on, the oxycodons people are dropping dead by the thousands. And right. there's no, doesn't seem to be any, you know, the pharmaceutical company is financing a lot of political campaigns and that's wrong. So I'm playing the villain in this. And I'm not like, I don't run the pharmaceutical company, but I'm the guy who brings it to the doctors who are corrupt enough to be prescription, you know, writing these prescriptions. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's a very sad series. It's a horror film in a sense. Yeah. Because if you hear about, you know, in Florida, they have these pain clinics. And I know they say they're cracking down now, but, yeah. you know, for a long time, you could, people were taking busloads, busloads of people from Boston were going down to Miami and towns in Florida and walking to these pain clinics, saying they have pain and getting a prescription for 60 oxy. And they go to five or six of those and they go back to Boston with 2,000 oxys that they're selling at five to 10, $20 a pill. You know, heroin is cheaper than oxycodone. Oh my gosh. And, you know, the oxycodone is coming from big pharma. You know, there's something wrong there. You know, you can walk in and say, you know, I have pain in my back and you get a prescription for 60 oxys, 60 oxys. You know, so um, when you hear that, You can understand the story that somebody, you know, and the guy who was the inspiration is in the movie, Tom Parnell. Here's the real tragedy. His son was an athlete all through high school. He was a college athlete. He got hurt and he got a prescription for oxycodone. He got addicted. On the second prescription, he overdosed and died.
1: Oh, wow. How's
2: that? This is a guy who never did dope. He didn't smoke marijuana. He didn't do anything like that. So, you know, when I heard that backstory, I said, I'm in. And, you know, Mark Savage, you know, he's one of these filmmakers who doesn't go to the distributor first. He comes right. up with a story that he wants to tell. And hopefully somebody will buy it. Right. So he's a real filmmaker. I mean, well, my, the movie I'm directing, we went to the distributors and said, what's selling? And they said, zombies. And my partner, my boss, said, "How about zombies on a plane?" And they said, "Oh, that'll sell really big." And that's <laughs> <what the> boy- <laughs> but you know, it's not that serious an issue, and uh, I don't feel guilty about wasting people's time. It's escapism and it's fun, right? But Mark is make you know, it's a very serious topic, and it is. It doesn't get enough coverage. It no, doesn't. you're
1: absolutely right. Because it, it it makes an impact, and it it you know, like you said you know, somebody that's never done anything, right? A a good all American kid that's playing football that gets hurt. That happens. Uh, And we expect our kids to heal. We expect our kids to run on. We expect, we expect to see our kids grow up and and have kids of their own and, and do all this stuff. And to find out that, that your son got addicted to something that he never would have had. And it, it shouldn't have been a big deal because it was prescribed by a doctor and you trust doctors. And then it's just, everything goes downhill and you lose your exactly. child. Like there's, well, that story know, in, needs to in, be heard.
2: More more than anything. But, you know, you, one of the reasons that people came together and formed governments is so that they could be collectively pre- protected. Yeah. Right. And we're not, they're not, you know, restricting the writing of these prescriptions or regulating or supervising. And there's this attitude. Well, if you're dumb enough to do it, it's your own fault. I said, Wait a minute. Then how is that? How is that okay? You know, it's right. like it's it's a terrible situation. And, and me as an actor, uh, even though I play, you know, this villainous guy, um, I'm hoping to bring greater awareness. And because um, they're not going to run commercials on it, right? You know, no, no. because the same people who own the pharmaceutical company own the media.
0: You and know, the yeah. pharmaceutical and, uh, companies are controlling the world as we see today
2: and they're the- one of them the pharmaceutical companies the uh military industrial complex and i think there's some other really diabolical force involved but that's me
0: see Man, that's a- now i Brian leaf again was another person that got addicted to opioids and ended up in jail because of it and he wasn't really a big drinker so it's just a terrible thing to know but i guess I read the summary of it of the movie that we, I don't want to give it away. People need to see it for sure, but because somehow you're in trouble, aren't you in this film <laughs> from what you've uh, done? It's payback time. Right. And how did you feel about being the villain? Have you been a villain in a lot of stuff before?
2: Uh, I've been playing gangsters and uh, a few bad guys and you know, it's, um, if you remember that movie, Angels with Dirty Faces, with James Cagney, and, and I think it's Pat O'Brien. Yeah. And the end of the movie, you know, Pat O'Brien says, this is the story of a boy who just couldn't run as fast as, as me. And you see these two little kids in, a, in a, you know, an underprivileged neighborhood, and they're being chased by the police. And the one falls down and goes to Juvenile Hall, and the other one gets away. James Cagney is the one who falls down, and he, that's the beginning of his life of crime. So I don't think people are born evil. I think certain circumstances can lead a person to uh, a very dark part of humanity. Right. And then there's people who are just plain greedy and evil. And but then they also have no moral compass and uh, you know sense of right or wrong. And it's just a matter of success is whoever has the most money at the end of his days. And that's you know that's very sad. I don't understand how people can want to live so long that's the only thing that drives them i mean you know hey i'm in show business but a house a car and to be able to have dinner with my wife and kid my son's 27 to have you know dinner with him every two weeks is like i'm a very happy successful dog that way
1: yeah because you know what you want it
2: would be nice to have a little sailboat too (laughs) I mean, I'm not going to say but, no if it happens. Yeah, right. You know, come on. Yeah. But I'm not going to lie, cheat and steal and betray people to right. get it. You know, My character is worth more. I'll work extra hard. I'll work, you know, six days a week instead of five.
1: Yeah. So painkiller. Now, painkiller. where do we where do we find painkiller? Uh,
2: it's going to be on all those video on demand things and uh, and all the pay-per-view and uh, DVD, you know, Redbox and Walmart. Uh, Starting May 4th.
1: Sweet. That's
0: great. See, what I think is awesome about this is just they get even. That's all we have to know. And to to come up with it. And so, based on the writing, was that because of, as you said, the story, because of something that happened to somebody? That's what the reason why they made this film, right? Even though it's a horror movie, there's a. Well, it's not
2: uh, horror in the sense it's a horrible, it's a horror story to lose your child when it was really through no fault of his own. Right. You know, but you know, it's more like death wish.
1: Yeah. 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 <laughs> father's father's coming for vengeance. Exactly. That's it. Take my day. No, exactly. But the
0: writer for the, so the backstory, is there a backstory of this Michael? The so,
2: the backstory is Tom Parnell who lost his yeah. son. That's what I said. That's, okay. that's, that's the right. real story. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's awful. In, in this story, it's his daughter, but in, what inspired the story was Tom Parnell's son being prescribed oxycodone for a a college sports industry and overdosing. Yeah. Wow. A College sports injury, not industry. (laughs) Although now that they're paying college football,
0: it's going to become
2: an industry, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, they are going to have to pay them, but then they might say, no, thank you. If they're not going to fill the stadiums, right? Some stadiums, the other ones. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Who knows what's going to happen with this pandemic? I, uh, I, I like Governor DeSantis a lot.
0: See, it's a, see, see, you're liking that and probably like te- his Texas governor as well. Because Texas is kind of open, right,
1: Eric? Oh, Texas has been wide open. They they've they came out a month ago and said no mask. So now oh, every great. store still insists on it, a lot of them. but But Governor Abbott, it's been at least a month where they're like, yeah. we're done with masks and what's wild is they said we're done with masks and covid cases continued to decline so um see and
0: then
2: look at look at portland oregon i mean oregon has uh there's a indefinite mandate to wear masks in oregon now how about that so florida and texas no masks declining cases portland wearing masks you know, look, man, I, I go to the gym, I, even in the beginning of the COVID thing, I refused to wear a mask while I ran. And people gave me the look like, because people are afraid. They really yeah. are afraid. When the government says it's for the good of mankind, it's like, okay, okay. I want to be a good person. You know, and then, yeah, you know, you know it's such it's, it's, it's a terrible situation we're in because yeah. like I say, you lose the trust. You don't trust your government to be doing the right thing for the people. Like, the codon or oxycodons, like, you know, the pharmaceutical company and fentanyl. And and it's like, you don't trust the government, the people you put in
0: charge. It's like, see, I'm sure you, Michael, you like this. You can share this information, right? Because some of the other media that interview you, they're not thinking like Eric and I, they're like, okay, we'll take this because it's really too bad. It's just, uh, we don't have a free free media anymore either. Thank goodness that's my, you know, I have this advice I just like you. Up. Yeah. Like us, we're willing, I'm willing to speak out either, and I'm willing to give anyone the opportunity to share. And yeah. that's what I hope it continues to be and have a fair and balanced, you know, different interviews. So some people will have different thoughts than you have, Michael. And I'm fine with that as a journalist. And Eric is more of a analyst where he can say, what he wants, when he wants, I'm a little bit, you know, <laughs> I'll, I'll feed into it. Yeah. I agree with you, especially with COVID trust me, I have a show called the COVID-19 vaccine show. And my co-host is Dr. Mark Hayden and he is pushing for an oral vaccine just for us to swallow COVID. Cause he said, all these other vaccines are going to do nothing. And there's another form coming that's already in India really bad. So I don't know what that means for people like yourself, Michael, that are working out, but we'll have to find out. All right, Eric, I'm, now I know where you're going with this, but he, this guy also I, is living I, a legacy. Go ahead, Mike, go
2: ahead. I'm taking zinc. I'm taking D3 and I'm drinking the Shreps with the uh tonic in it with the quinine because yeah. you can't get a prescription for hydroxychloroquine and more and more. It's coming out that that would have been the prophylactic.
0: Yes. We already right. know that I've, I've already said that there is, you can go on. There are, but if you ever have that, just reach out to me. Michael, I have connections. I have connects. That's this is only We're talking <laughs> pharmaceuticals. I have connects to HCQ. Hydroxychloroquine. Where are you? Yeah. yeah I'm not complaining, but you can go to any. I interviewed the one of the doctors from uh-huh. the from the uh, you remember when they did the whole thing on the Capitol, the black woman. Yeah. I interviewed her. Uh-huh. She has her own online place that will prescribe HCQ and ivermectin. I need I need to get that from you. Yeah, okay. me
1: too. Okay.
0: Yeah. You, okay. So, but also my other client, uh Dr. Christopher Hall, that we do a show together, he has another online one. They'll prescribe those too. So, you didn't know that. So, you just heard it here oh. first on Living a Legacy, Eric. That yeah. I have yeah. the connects. We're talking. I was thinking we we're going to oh, have to go to Acapulco. Pharmaceuticals all, and I say, hey, I have the connection, guys. I can yeah. get through this. Yeah. And then, no, I know
1: someone. <laughs> I know someone.
0: <laughs> you so, know someone. I know someone. Go ahead, Eric. Yeah.
1: Michael, you know, the whole point of this show, Living a Legacy, is how uh, celebrities and, and amazing people use their influence to impact the world around them, right? That's what Living a Legacy is. It's not just leaving a legacy, but it's living one today, um, and that's exactly what, what you're doing with Painkiller, and as you said, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do shows that, that, that represent me, you know, yeah, you're going to do some fun shows, too. Um, but painkiller really, it's like, it's got a message that you can get behind and support. Um, and, and that's why it was an important movie for you to make and say, yeah, I'm in. Um, and that's, and that's why we want to interview, uh, you know, other than the fact that a huge Eddie and the cruisers fan, you know, we want, we want to talk to people that are like, no, I want to use my influence to make an impact. I want to, you know, in your case, a lot of things, but but making a movie like painkiller because the world needs to hear this message is important because one more dad, one more mom does not need to lose a child. It's devastating. It's devastating. Um, So one of the questions I do like to ask everybody because it's living a legacy is, um, you know, kind of going back to leaving a legacy. What would you like, how would you like to be remembered? And, And this could be as an actor, as a, as a, as a father, as, as a human being.
2: Well, I like to be remembered as being a, a good dad and a good husband. And, um, you know, there was an interview that, that John Wayne did with Barbara Walters when he got his Academy award for, uh, true grit. And she says, do you think you're a good actor? And he says, well, I've been doing it for 50 years. I must've figured something out. Right. <laughs> and so, Uh, yeah, I would like to be remembered for, to be a good actor. And now that I'm starting to, uh, this is my first time directing, but I've got a two picture deal with these guys. So one is a zombie one. Another one is a thriller. So, uh, yeah, you know, I'm in show business for, you know, I got at least another 10 years. So I, I hope I can make a movie where people say, damn, that's a good movie.
0: That's great. All
1: right. Is well, and place- if y'all decide to do another, you know, Greatest American Hero reunion or Eddie and the Cruisers reunion, I'm 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 all for it. Like I you got my vote <laughs> exactly. for both. And then if you need me in a zombie movie, reach
0: out to me. I'm 6 foot 10 legitimate. Love to be Yeah, one. he's whole really? real 6 cow, foot 10. That's yeah, great. Yeah, yeah, ex-pro yeah. Pro yeah. yeah. Ex-pro
1: wrestler. Yeah.
0: Ex-pro wrestler. Yeah. Aha. Wow.
2: <laughs> I worked with, you know, I worked with the Predator, Don Fry. Uh, did remember, you
0: remember him? Cool. Yeah, oh,
2: yeah. yeah. What a complex guy, you know, and we did a little movie and, you know, when Don gets mad, you know, and he gets that look, the predator look in his eye, you know, because yeah. he doesn't, the director's not really respecting him, you know, it's, yeah.
0: <laughs> you guys us, are another like animal. Genuine. yeah, yeah. It's we're like- different people and, you <laughs> and- but when I'm a broadcaster, a little different than if I'm in the ring or, you know, I or, or I'm uh, debating somebody, but having a great conversation. Is there a website for you, Michael, or where's the best place to connect with you? Yeah. Uh, face, Facebook. Right. Facebook. Perfect.
2: You can see a picture of me uh, on Instagram. I have a, a handlebar mustache that I was wearing in a few movies. Not a handlebar, you know, like the uh, the prison. one. The goatee. Yeah. 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 Goatee. Well, without the without the beard just down here.
1: OK, so, yeah. Ham- handlebar.
0: All right. So yeah, you stick see around that? For a second, Michael, I want to get some, uh, to talk to you off of air about a few things, and I appreciate it. And Eric, sure. what a great guest again. We always come to deliver people that really are living a legacy, Eric. Isn't that great?
1: Absolutely. Michael, thanks, thanks for joining us, man. This was great. My pleasure. My All right. pleasure. Thank you.
0: Okay, guys. That was right. living a legacy. Take care.